Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we'll be joined by John Hygus of Derby, Pennsylvania. Meet John on the street, and he may well just break into song, which is, more or less, how I did meet him while visiting Philadelphia. John has a passionate nature for spirit, for music, and for history, and his music evades any of the usual categorizations. With his wife, Jan... John Hygus makes tapestries of music, simple and yet traveling widely, searching for new ways to be silly, seek truth, and to make a joyful noise. He joins us today by phone. John, thanks so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. Good to be here. And you're joining us from Darby, Pennsylvania. I've never been to Darby. Could you tell me a little bit about it? Darby is a very, very old community, sort of southwest of the city of Philadelphia, overlooking the Philadelphia airport, where the Darby Creek flows down into the Tinica Marsh, we're sort of where the Darby Creek and the Cobbs Creek flow together. It was started as a community about 1682 with people who came with Penn, uh, particularly John Blumston. We live in an older house in Darby, built in 1734, we think, for Blumston's granddaughter. And just from the way that you talk, it's clear that I think you're passionate about history. Is that a fair statement? Yes. 
Is this because you were a history major or is this pastime? How do you connect with history? How is it part of your life? It's been kind of like an accretion, I think. I like seeing the patterns and as things flow together, sort of like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, a new piece falls into place. Oh, that's why that is. This particular situation, when I moved to Philadelphia and met Jan, we got involved with something called the Bluebell Tavern, which is actually on the Cobbs Creek. Started a nonprofit group to try to restore it. It was a tavern ordinary on the Darby Road, and just sort of like peace leading to peace. Actually, that's how we started singing together, is going out and talking about the Bluebell. And just, you know, new pieces kind of get added. So is this something that you do constant study in to keep up on? Is this, I guess, maybe what's your profession that you have time to incorporate so much of what the world used to be? I'm actually trying to figure out what my profession is at this point. I've been a lawyer, grants associate with the Quakers, a number of things. It just always keeping eyes and ears open and, you know, when a new piece again falls into place, uh, looking at history, Philadelphia history, particularly from the standpoint of Darby, it's interesting because we sort of start with the Swedish history. Now, the first Swedish settlement was 1638 near Wilmington, Delaware, and then the third governor was a man named Johannes Prince. He weighed 400 pounds. The Indians called him Big Belly. I can't quite understand why. And he had the seat of his government on Tinicum Island. In 1645, he built a grist mill in what is now the Cobbs Creek. The Swedes called it Mondel, place of the mill, and the Indians called it Karakon. And that's right next to the Bluebell, which we got involved with. And it's sort of, you know, kind of peace leads into peace. When I was in law school, I did a monograph on the Court of Upland, which is a colonial court that sat from 1676 to 1681. And... Someday there's going to be an opera bouffe written about the court of Upland. As you mentioned your professions along the way, the jobs you've held, you didn't mention musician as one of them. Is that an aspiration, or is it just as you went to court, maybe you sang your declamations to the judge? (laughs) That'd be a good idea. Jen and I have sung together in various contexts, sort of as a a part-time thing for the last... um, Oh, boy, we've been married for 24 years. We are trying to do it more and more as a means of livelihood. I didn't mention it as uh, an occupation. That was an omission on my part. You do have a website. The website that people would go to if they wanted to see a little glimpse of you, where would that be? www.pasttimespresent.com. You could also go to www.darbyhistory.com. And there's some links about some of the the history of uh, this area and some of the other aspects that relate to that. We also have a website, www.octrolleyfest.org, because one of the things that Darby has is a working trolley system. And five years ago, we started something called the Octrolley Fest to try to sort of asset-based community development. What does the community have that we can look at with new eyes for mutual benefit? and we have an operating trolley system. Uh, it goes back to 1858. But com would probably be the best way into the music. Well, let's start talking about your music, and we'll bring in a lot of the rest of your personal history and your connection with this music as we go along. Where would you like to start out in this exploration of your Song of the Soul? 
think probably the most autobiographical is Night in Rumpeldarmer. When I, I met Jan, who was probably one of the central things in my life, um, it, it sort of seemed to fit me. You know, it's sort of um, not exactly, uh, certainly not shiny armor, but uh, a little bit rumpled. You know, when you talk of songs of, and some of this historical interest that I think you have, one of the groups I think of is Society for Creative Anachronism. Have you been connected with that along the way? I've had friends who have been part of the SCA, yes, and we're also connected with various reenactor groups, especially groups like the Old Fort Mifflin Historical Society and others. There's something sort of magical about portraying the past, learning from it, but being glad that we have moved on and evolved in some senses. One of my favorite book titles is one by the men who started the Batman Archives, which was the good old days, they were terrible talking about, you know, how life in the 19th century was not necessarily a Ives print, except for a very, very small and narrow segment of society. You said, John, that this song, Night in Rumpled Armor, is autobiographical, and one of the things that goes throughout the song is this quest that you're on. You don't know where you're going, but you're traveling on. That's really important, and you're doing this quest for your lady. So is it, that lady is Jan? Uh, yes. Jan was talking one time and used the phrase, wherever John is is home, and I feel very much the same way. Wherever she is is home. And also this idea that you don't know where you're going or that you've got to drive. You said earlier that you didn't know what your profession is or where you're quite headed. Is that part of what you're talking about, or are there other aspects of your life you don't really know where you're headed, although you've got a clear draw to go somewhere. I have a clear draw, but I, I'm not certain how it all fits in. Life being so uncertain, none of us being here for a long-term lease, I don't have a clear sense of what my calling is. Lately, I have come to the idea that it has something to do with communication, but it's it's not clear. It's sort of day-by-day day evolving. I think it's a good time to listen to Night in Rumpled Armor. This is performed by my guest for today's Song of the Soul. His name is John Hygus and his wife, Jan, Night in Rumpled Armor. The Night in Rumpled Armor came riding over the hill Looking for some dragons to vanquish Slay or kill. Not sure he was going, not sure he had been. He only could be certain he was riding, riding once again. For the love of his fair lady, he'd find the Holy Grail. Though he searched these many years, it seems he's lost the trail. When he started on the journey, it all seemed clear and neat. He would win high honors and lay them at her feet. But now the journey falters, he's been riding for so long. He's long forgot the purpose, but still he rides alone. 
And though he doesn't know it, his help comes from above. He cannot know its face or name, but thinks of it as love. I only hope he finds it, this thing for which he seeks, this thing for which he searches, this thing to bring him peace. The knight in rumpled armor came riding over the hill, looking for some dragons to vanquish, slay or kill. Not sure where he was going, not sure where he had been, he only could be certain he was riding once again. Night in Rumpled Armor. John Hygus is my guest here today for Song of the Soul. And John, one thing people notice as we listen to your music is you don't tend to make 10 or 15 minute or even 5 minute long songs, which is of course the norm out there in the world today. I think less than 3 is considered short. Most of yours are a minute or two. Uh, Why is that? I have a lot to learn about the craft of songwriting. When a song just repeats the chorus over and over and over again, I find it annoying. We have set the poems of Robert Louis Stevenson, The Child's Garden of Verses, to music, and some of those are 20 seconds, 50 seconds, etc. You are speaking as if you're the one who's doing the arrangement, who's creating the music. My sense from listening to your music is that Jan does the harmonies for that. Are you both song creators, or is this primarily you create it and she embellishes? No, it's very much a collaboration. Oftentimes I'll write the A part and she'll write the B part, or she'll have an idea and she'll sing it and we'll work it out. But it's very much a collaboration. It's hard to tell where one ends and the other one begins. Well, tell us about song number two for your Song of the Soul. Song of the Mystic was from a postcard we picked up, and I've recently learned that the actual Song of the Mystic goes on for about 15 verses. But on this postcard, it's just the one, and we were kind of taken by the way the words went. We have the ability to sort of take some words and simply sing the words. What came out on the Song of the Mystic was that that was the tune that was And what is this song of the mystic? I'm afraid I'm not haven't been exposed to it before. I walk through the valley of silence, the dim, voiceless valley alone, and the hero around, not a footstep around me save gods and my own. And the hush in my heart is as holy as the places where angels have flown. I walk through the valley of silence. I walk through the valley alone. It was just some nice words. Uh, it was attributed to Father Ryan, but there are some other authors that I've learned from it. Uh, the other aspect about that was it was given a publication date of 1906, which means it's in the public domain. I think pretty much anything before 1920 is public domain. After that, it gets a little bit difficult because of the various sections of the copyright laws and the extensions thereof. And is this for you autobiographical also? You've chosen to include it in your Song of the Soul, I assume because... You maybe like the music, but I think the words resonate for you. There's some resonance. Mostly I was looking for music that have sort of a covertly or overtly on sort of a religious theme. 
and that was one of ones that, that fit. This was part of a collection called Carousel Horses we did some time ago. When you say a collection, have you created a number of CDs that are out there that one could collect? We have three collections of songs that are not really out there, except in very, very short runs. Uh, but we have a collection of songs called Carousel Horses, which is the first. And then we have a, another collection called Charles Garden of Song, which are the poems of Robert Louis Stevenson's A Charles Garden of Verses set to our music. And then another album of Groundhog Day carols, which are new words to old and familiar tunes on the topic of Groundhog Day, which is a Celtic cross-quarter day. It's a Celtic what day? A Celtic cross-quarter day. You know that the longest day of the year is the winter solstice on December 21st. and the, Sorry, that's the shortest day of the year. The longest day of the year is the summer solstice on June 21st. In between the two solstices, you have the equinoxes, where day and night are equal lengths. In between the solstice and the equinox, you have the cross-quarter days, 40 days after the solstice, 40 days before the equinox. In the spring, the Celtics called it Imbolc. The early church uh, took it over as Candlemas, and today we think of it as Groundhog Day. And it's a time actually sort of halfway to the equinox, there's a change in the light quality at that time. You walk outside the building at 5 o'clock and look up, oh, hey, it's still light. You begin to see the rebirth, and it's part of the cycle. Other cross-quarter days are May Day, something they call Lugnasa, which is the sort of harvest of first fruits at the beginning of August, and then Soween or Samhain, which the early church took on as All Saints Day and All Hallows' Eve in November, but it's sort of, this is the beginning of Celtic spring. It's not fully spring yet, but you know you're on the right side of the solstice heading, heading toward the return of the warmth. So why is it that that day being passed that I'm going to have minus 10 degrees tonight? Because you saw a shadow. I mean, the, the reality is to be at the beginning of February and think we're going to have winter until the middle of March is not really a stretch. But the custom, the, the hibernating animal symbolizes the winter. And if the winter is dead and gone, it will cast no shadow. I think the, the phrase is, if Candlemas be fair and bright, winter will have another flight. But if it be dark with clouds and rain, winter is gone and will not come again. But, you know, he saw a shadow. We're in for six more weeks of winter. We're ready for spring, but spring's not quite ready for us. But there is a change in the light quality. I think you'll notice that. Back to the song that we were speaking of, Song of the Mystic, my suspicion was that you also included it because it resonated the, the silence being part of Quaker practice, which I think you and Jan are, have been connected with Quakers for some time. Yes, although I also include it just because it's a good chance to sort of demonstrate Jan's voice, and musically I hope people enjoy it. I think it's easy to listen to. But yes, Jan is an attender. I'm actually a member of Lansdowne Meeting. But mostly it's just, I think, I hope people enjoy it. I walk down the valley of silence, down the dim, voiceless valley alone. And I hear not the fall of a footstep around me, save God's and my own. And the hush in my heart is as holy 
as the places where angels have flown. I walk down the valley of silence, down the dim voiceless valley alone. Da -da Song of the Mystic. The words are public domain, but the tune comes from John and Jan Hykus of Darby, Pennsylvania. And John is my guest today for Song of the Soul. They've got a whole variety of music. I wanted to ask you, John, though, the instruments that you include. Obviously, your voices are primary instruments, but what range of instruments do you and or Jan play? I play dulcimer hammer dulcimer and mountain dulcimer and actually on these songs I think the dulcimer is one of the cardboard dulcimers created by a man named David Cross evidently a number of years ago he heard about uh, someone making a cardboard dulcimer and wonder how they did that and experimented with various things and finally came up with a kind of dulcimer the kids could make out of kits in schools very easy to make very accessible very easy to play but uh, also fairly elegant in the possibilities Let's go to song number three, Where Shall We Wander? This is also a song reworking an old tune. Jan and I are part of the Darby Creek Valley Association, which is a watershed organization now celebrating its 25th year. The website for that is www.dcva.org. And for the past couple of years, we have coordinated their watershed-wide cleanup. It's uh, 77 square miles, 31 municipalities. And we wrote a number of uh, songs of stormwater management. And one of them is The Watershed's Wide to the tune of The River is Wide. And I hope people enjoy that as well. We, we sort of feel that music has at least the potential of conveying a message without the person really being aware that the message is being conveyed. Uh, things like we learn ABC through the A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, it, we relate to music on a, on a different level, a different way, again, to convey a, a message. We do not have many of those recorded at, at this point. We are hoping at some point to do that. I'm going to sing just one very quickly over the phone that people may enjoy about the ecologically responsible dog ownership, which goes, Joaquin Fido, sing this song, dog do, dog do. Run off from our streets and lawns, don't let the dog do lay. Let the doggies run, let the doggies play, but always use a poop or scoop, don't let the dog do lay, etc. But the Watershed Wide is one of the uh, ecology songs. That's a pretty good ecology song you got going on there. <laughs> That's pretty good. 
And I, th- I can't help but think that our society would be better off if more of the ditties that are part of the commercials on television were created by you and Jan. I, th- I think there must be a growth industry there waiting for you to provide the proper lyrics for improving our society. We are hoping. One of the things we would like to do is actually do commercials. Breaking into the business is difficult. You know, the, the joke is it takes 20 years to become an overnight sensation, so we're you know, at least five years overdue. The song is Watersheds Wide. Well, the watersheds wide and the waters drain to a common point every time it rains. Watersheds Wide by John Hygus and his wife Jan. John is my guest today for Song of the Soul, and he joins us by phone from Darby, Pennsylvania, where he and his wife Jan create all kinds of interesting songs. Do you ever feel, John, that it, it would be good just to create songs for no good reason? I have a feeling that each time you create a song, there's a purpose to it. It's, you're not just trying to be mindless. I mean, there, we we both have a repertoire of silly songs that we've learned from our families over the years, and then we uh, have taught each other. Matter of fact, she says that's one of the reasons why she married me, because I knew even more silly songs than she did. I think maybe music is its own justification. I'm not sure that I necessarily try to do a message, but pleasing sounds, I think, are important. Well, speaking of pleasing songs, I do know that for your next song, 
you chose Joyful Noise. So say a little bit more about that. This actually was an outgrowth of going to Lansdowne. We had been attenders at a meeting that, after about six years, just became, was not welcoming. So we, we went to Lansdowne, and it was quite quite wonderful being with the people, and I think it's a, it's a hundred, I'm not sure which psalm it is, but make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and so we put that together into a song. I'm trying something in my life which is gratitude and being thankful for all things. That particular psalm is, one of the psalms is just saying, you know, thank you, you know, make a joyful noise. That's one of the areas uh, Quakers these days will sing. During the summer, Jan and I do a historical interpretation of a Quaker innkeeper, and we go around singing, and there's concern about, well, Quakers didn't really sing, but actually, in many ways, they did. It wasn't one of the art forms that was encouraged, but I keep on pointing out that the good book, at many places, admonishes us to make a joyful noise, so this is kind of a reflection of that. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, come to His presence and sing. For we know that the Lord is God, it is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture make a joyful noise to the Lord. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name, joyful noise unto the Lord. For the Lord is good, make a joyful noise, his mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to our generations, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name, make joyful noise unto the Lord. For the Lord is good, make a joyful noise, his mercy is everlasting. His truth and birth to all generations, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That was Joyful Noise, John Haggis and his wife Jan, and part of the Joyful Noise that he and she make is to adapt words that other people have put down and put words to tunes that other people have created, and all of this is part of his Song of the Soul that he's sharing with us today. Let's keep going. You've got a lot of short tunes here, so we've got a lot of music to cover in this time. Where shall we step to next? Actually, sort of on that line, taking biblical verses, uh, we set the Lord's Prayer to music. Um, someday we hope to do this sort of with a calypso beat, but we hope it's enjoyable. I noted with this one, John, that the tune is sprightly, and I think a lot of people believe that Jesus didn't do much in the way of laughing or being joyful. And certainly when I think of the Lord's Prayer, I do not think of it as upbeat. I, I think there's some um, breast-beating in there. But this music is not breast-beating music. No, I, I think that the 
um, I mean, Jesus Ben Joseph certainly was a um, multifaceted fellow. I saw a drawing one time of the laughing Jesus. You know, I mean, he hung out with the publicans. He, you know, certainly, I, I think, did laugh. We don't think of him. We, we think mostly of the, of the passion and the suffering, etc. But I think, I think he would have enjoyed music. I, I don't see that as in, it's consistent with who and what he, he was. And this is certainly a joyful tune for the Lord's Prayer. the words. They were the Lord's Prayer with the tune created by John and Jan Hykus. John, I was just curious if you've ever had an opportunity for a congregation of people, Quaker meeting, whatever, a group of people to pray together the Lord's Prayer with your tune. Not yet. Certainly open to that, but, but no, not yet. I think we'll look forward to the opportunity. Do you come from a musical family? Is this the first creation of music in your family, you and or Jan? In Jan's family, she came from a large family, and her mom used music as a form of crowd control. She and her sisters would sit out in the swings in the uh, backyard and sing harmony. In my family, my mom sang, and my dad played the piano and composed music, and so I kind of grew up with hearing music, which is wonderful, of, of all different types. He read a radio station and taught me very early on that there are many different types of music, but they're all types of music, and they all have interest and validity. And I assume that he passed that on to you. It was stuff he did around the household. And he was a music creator himself, was he not? Because uh, I think the next tune that you've picked is by your father. Yeah, the, uh, the song, If I Should Pass, is from words that were written by my dad many, many, many years ago, uh, which I set to music. I sort of like the imagery, you know, and I will kiss you home. Because I, I do believe that we only have a short time here, but I find in a cyclical world the idea that life is temporary and death is permanent doesn't really, doesn't really fit. So I think that there is, I, I, I don't know what comes beyond, but I believe that there is something, and this is kind of a reflection of that. The song is If I Should Pass, written by John Hygus' father, and his name was? John W. Hygus, Jr. So does that make you John Hygus Tertiary? Yes, although actually I'm John Hygus IV. So my great-grandfather was Johannes Hygus, who came from Germany, 
to Turner's Falls, Massachusetts, to work in the cutlery factory, got black lung disease and died. And then my grandfather, John Higgis, who became John Higgis Sr., eventually went into politics and started the radio station, and then my father, John Higgis Jr., and then me. If I Should Pass by John Higgis. If I should pass beyond that misty veil, think not I die, nor lie forgot, with not but ghosts of might have been. To mark my resting spot Think rather that I only wait Till spring comes late Till spring comes late And apple blossoms fill the air With fragrance meant for you alone I know at heart someday somewhere Some garden gate will open wide You'll be there, and you'll be there, and I will kiss you home. That was If I Should Pass by John Higgis, and I felt safe in saying that it was by John Higgis, no matter which John you're speaking of. That was safe, wasn't it? Right. So your father wrote that as a piece of poetry, or did he write it as a song himself? He wrote it as a piece of poetry, and I think that there's a family story that he tried to tell my mom that he wrote it for her, but I think he wrote it well before he met her. Sometimes we just know what's coming, and so maybe in that sense he wrote it for her. I've had some experience like that with my own wife. So, John, you're very much tuned into history, is how I've seen it. And by visiting your pastimespresent.com website, I think people capture that also. Evidently, you're a fan of Shelley's as well, are you? Yes. One of the songs that we did is Ozymandias, which is sort of a tribute to hubris. Say a little bit more about why this song, why is hubris something that you particularly have a concern about, or maybe uh, is, is this a lesson that our nation needs? Well, this was a period of time when I, I had a, a book called 100 Famous Poems, and I would just kind of go through and sing the poems, and Ozymandias in particular sort of fit into a minor key. Again, we are here for such temporary time, Really, nothing lasts but the spirit. And the idea that we're going to create, uh, that, that mankind's going to create these wonderful edifices that will last for all time is fairly empty. I, I like the last line, the lone and level sand stretch far away. I met a traveler from an antique land who said to vastless, trunkless legs of stone, Stand in the desert near them on the sand, Half sunk a shattered visage lie whose frown and wrinkled lip, And sneer of cold command. Tell well the sculptor, well those passions red which yet survive, Stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed, 
upon the pedestal these words appear. My name is Azamandios, King of Kings. Look on my work, ye mighty and Side remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare. The lone and level sand stretch far away. My name is Ozymandias. That was Ozymandias. Ozymandias is, of course, by Shelley. But the tune here is by my guest for today's Song of the Soul, John Hygus. John joins us today for Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit radio production. And I just want to let you all know that you can always hear this again via my website, northernspiritradio.org. And when you visit it, please feel free to leave a comment. We love to hear what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of via northernspiritradio.org So, onward, John. You've chosen more songs for your Song of the Soul than I think any of my previous guests. But You've got quite a diversity, and they tend to be short, so we can fit some in. Where shall we travel next to on this journey, which is your Song of the Soul? Well, actually, if we could, uh, Janet's in the room with me, and we're going to sing one of our Groundhog Day carols. Since Groundhog Day has just passed, and Unfortunately, we're in for six more weeks of winter, and this sort of reflects that. It goes, Groundhog cares from burrow of brown, lifts his head and looks around, sees his shadow somewhat sad of six more weeks underground. Oh, time of winter, time of cold. Long, long nights, it gets real. Sleeting, sneezing, sniffling, freezing. Winter joys which we behold. That was Groundhog Piers. And again, what was it that got you into Groundhog Day specifically? Is is this a high holiday for you at the, you know, at the Higgis household? Uh, it's not exactly a high holiday. Um, actually, what happened was Jan and I were hired a few years ago by the Merchants Association on South Street in Philadelphia, and given rolls of quarters to feed the parking meters, trying to keep one jump ahead of the Philadelphia Parking Authority. If any of your listeners have been to Philadelphia, you may be familiar with the Philadelphia Parking Authority. They, unfortunately, are uh, quite uh, efficient. So we're going around singing Christmas carols, and all of a sudden it's after Christmas, and shall we say the cogency is somewhat dissipated. You know, it's hard to sing Christmas carols after Christmas, because most of them speak about anticipation. So we begin asking, well, what's the next big holiday? Groundhog Day. What songs are there for Groundhog Day? Well, there's Me and My Shadow. That's about it. New Year's Eve, we were up late and got up early the next day, and sleep deprivation does amazing things. I'm not sure who first came up with Star Chuckling Oak. Punxsutawney Phil looked out from his winter dwelling. We have friends who claim it to be a disease called Groundhog Hygositis, which is the overwhelming compulsion to write Groundhog lyrics to any existing piece of music. 
We have one to uh, handle seashell feed of flock. We have one to shorten and bread. We have one to have an agila, et cetera. But it kind of ties into the cycle of seasons. We learned about Groundhog Day being the Celtic Cross Quarter Day. And it's sort of in the different kind of rhythm of the seasons. I'd always been sort of interested in that. I used to, at one time, dance on a Morris team, which is also sort of concerned with rituals and springtime and the renewal of the earth in that genre. So we, it's, a, it's a niche. You know, it's better than writing about Haley's comics. Then you have to wait 80 years before it comes around again. This way, every year there's a winter. Every year we're ready for spring. Every year spring's not quite ready for us. And again, Groundhog Day is sort of like, it's like the null of the year. There's very little going on. We are working on a curriculum, actually, based on the Groundhog, figuring that we can, that way, using the carols, we can bring in music, history, earth science, folklore, astronomy, etc. Uh, kind of like a one-month curriculum before Groundhog Day, between like Christmas and Groundhog Day before March, as the Earth gets ready to wake up. Sounds excellent. I'll look forward to seeing that curriculum. Well, I think you've still got a couple more songs for us to cover, so where's next? What's the this immense tapestry, which is the music that you and Jan do? Where should we head next? The next song is called A Better Way. Jan and I, at one point, both worked for the American Friends Service Committee, and they had a vigil called the Hundred Flowers Campaign to remember the children who died during the time of the sanctions. And this is one, actually, of both our words and music. And when you say the sanctions, you're referring to the sanction period after the first Gulf War and before the second? Yes, the period of time when... Food aid was not getting through, medicine was not getting through. Basically, the Iraqi civil society was decimated, and there's a lot of suffering from that. I suppose it was felt that it's better than actual open warfare. However, uh, the suffering was still as acute and difficult to endure. The song is called A Better Way, written by John and Jan Haigas for the American Friends Service Committee 100 Flowers Campaign. We have Have to to find a better way 100 children died today For children who have done no wrong The dying has gone on too long A hundred flowers in our A prayer for peace for every land. We think of all those lost today. We have to find a better way. Starting here and starting now. We seek the path to peace somehow. We build tomorrow from today. We have to find a better way. That was a better way. John, was that song actually broadcast, used? How was it used by AFSC, or is it just something that you wrote and used as personal expression of your 
I guess, unity with that program? It was something that we wrote. We did have a chance to sing it at a rally at the American Friends Service Committee. As far as I know, it hasn't been used beyond that. But the concerns certainly live on. We've got time for one or two more. John, let me see. Let's go historical for this next one. Sounds good. The next one is uh, Jim Bloodsoe, which is a poem that was written by John Hay, who was Abraham Lincoln's secretary. Again, I like the poem and sort of just sang the words, and this is what came out. And this Prairie Bell, now that's a ship or it's a place? The Prairie Bell was a steamboat, which was an older steamboat, obviously. One of the lines is all boats have a day in the Mississippi, and the bell's day came at last. But the Movistar was a better boat, but the bell, she wouldn't be passed. Mostly along the theme of greater love hath no man, and he was laid down his life for his friends. Bloodsoe saw his duty and, and went for it there and then. And the song is Jim Bloodsoe, and it's about the captain of the Prairie Bell. Well, no, I can't tell you where he lives, cause he don't live, you see. Likewise, he's got out of the habit of living like you and me. Where you been for the past three years that you ain't heard hoaxed tell? How Jimmy blows the cash in his chips that night on the prairie bell. We weren't no saint, them river men is pretty much alike. Had a wife in Natchez under the hill, had another one here in Pike. An awkward hand has talked with Jim, an awkward hand in a row. But he never funked and he never lied, I reckon he never knowed how. And this was all the religion that he had, was to treat his engine well. Never get past on the river And to mind the pilot's bell If ever the prairie bell caught fire A thousand times he swore He'd hold a nozzle again the bank Till the last loots ashore All boats have the day on the Mississippi And the bell's day came at last The Mova Star was a better boat but the bell she wouldn't be passed she come a-sailing along that night The oldest ship on the line Deckhand squatting her safety valve And the first pants rosin and pine The fire broke out She cleared the bar And burned a hole in the night And just like that Jim went and made For the willow bank on the right was running shot, but Jim called out above the infernal roar. I'll hold a nozzle again, the bank to the Lasco loots ashore. Through the hot black breath of that burning boat, Jim Bloodsoe's voice was heard. And they all had faith in his cussedness And knew he would keep his word Sure enough, everyone got off before the smokestacks fell And Bloodsoe's ghost went up alone and smoked from the prairie bell He weren't no saint, but at judgment time I'd take my chance with Jim 
Alongside some pious gentlemen that wouldn't shook hands with him. He seen his duty a dead sure thing and went forth there and then. And Christ ain't gonna be too hard on a man who died for men. Jim Bloodsell, words by John Hay, who is Abraham Lincoln's secretary, the tune here by my guest for today's Song of the Soul, John Hykus. Do you have one more song that we can use to head out for your Song of the Soul, John? I think so. I think maybe finishing up with what we call Pachelbel's Pop Gun. This is one of the versions of uh, Johannes Pachelbel's Canon, which is a lovely piece of music, and this is our version with voice and cardboard dulcimer smaller than a cannon, so we call it the pop gun, so it's Pachelbel's pop gun.
that was a version of Pachelbel's Canon, adapted by John and Jan Haggis as Pachelbel's Popgun. My guest today has been John Haggis. John, thanks so much for joining me and for the immense diversity of music that you're sharing with the world out there. Again, his site is pasttimespresent.com. Thanks so much, John. Thank you for having me. My Song of the Soul guest today has been John Haigas. Check out more of his and Jan's music and passions via their website, pasttimespresent.com, and drop them a note or comment. You'll find John and Jan quite willing to share their music and inspirations. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. Sing out a song of the soul.